morning. Welcome to Heartland Christian Church. If this is your first time here, we are happy to have you. Let's get started. Everyone, please stand. Somebody give him praise or thanks for something he is or does. Amen. Anybody else? It does. Anybody else? Yeah, Patty. Or Linda, whoever. It always is up in that area. Well, that's good. Patty? Amen. Anybody else? All right, today we will be reading from Psalm 112. The title of the Psalm uh, 112 is The Righteous Will Never Be Moved. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, 
merciful, and righteous. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. He is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. The wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked will perish. This psalm is called an Alleluia psalm because it continually praises the only risen Lord, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Verses 4 through 9 give us a clear indication why he should be praised. Uh, he is bigger than all nations and his glory exceeds everything. All of creation is humbled to him. He praises those who are poor in spirit and he established his church on earth. As we head into worship, keep those four things in mind while we sing praises to him for everything that he is and does. But before we do, let's recite the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
This is a time of the service for communion. You should have received a communion pack when you came in. In that, there is a cracker, which is the bread. The bread is Jesus' body broken for us. The juice is Jesus' blood that was shed for us. Jesus instructed us, as often as we consume him, We do it in remembrance of him. Also, Paul tells us to examine our hearts to make sure that we take this with the right intentions. John had a vision that Jesus gave him on the island of Patmos. I think I said that right. Um, And you can find this in Revelation 5, 9 through 14. I'm going to kind of cut into the middle of it. And... Uh, There you can see a bunch of heavenly hosts and Jesus, who was, well, the lamb, as it is called in there, who was slain. And it it picks up, and and they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and every language and people, and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priest to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard it, the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands times ten thousand. It's a lot of angels. I don't really think they number them. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. We take this communion and agreement with the angels and all the creatures on the earth and all those heavenly hosts, the ten thousands of ten thousands times ten thousands squared pi, praising them. 
Because Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, and the King of all is worthy. His blood is worthy to cleanse us so all might become children of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for sending your Son for us. Thank you for cleansing us and making us a nation for you. I just pray as we take this communion, it honors you. Amen. Good morning. Now is the time in the service for announcements. We're always collecting empty pill bottle donations for Matthew 25 Ministries. There is a plastic bin in the foyer if you would like to bring them in on your way into church. Um, we also collect used ink cartridges, so don't throw them away. Bring them in. It helps reduce costs of office supplies here. Food pantry closed closet is every Thursday from 5 to 7. Um, there's a list there of most frequently needed items in just in case you see some sales and you'd like to bring something in. Um, any donations of food or clothing can be dropped off um, here at the church on Thursdays from 5 to 7 or Sundays after service. Refit free dance fitness class, Tuesdays and Thursdays at 6.30 to 7.30. Breakfast is better when we eat together. Breakfast fellowship is the first Sunday of every month at 9.30. If you have questions or you want to um, get on the list to bring stuff in regularly, talk to Carol. Empty Nester's Bible study should be finishing up here in the next week or so um, with the book based on the Ten Commandments. So they're meeting at Ruth Liming's house Thursdays at 10 a.m. Greeting card ministry is just a time where we can be intentional and uh, practice sending uh, cards to lift people up and encourage them. Uh, people that are not able to come in or recently had surgery or procedures or we're just missing them and want to let them know that we care. Light Up Goshen Parade is this Saturday, November 19th. 
Um, if you'd like to serve or donate chili, there's a sign up in the back table. Please do that today so we can figure out what else we still may need or people um, that we can round up. It is really a good time, I'll, I'll be honest, and say um, over the years we've had um, other churches and other organizations come. There's been one or two years where we were the only church there. So we need to continue to be present in the community and share the love of Christ. Thanksgiving community dinner hosted um, by us, Heartland, and Bluebird Bus of Hope. Uh, so that is going to take place Wednesday, November 23rd, 6 to 8 p.m. If you want to come and eat, if you want to come and serve, if you want to make something and donate it and drop it off, there is also a sign-up on the welcome desk. Um, there's also flyers out there, too. So if you want to take it to know how to register or um, hand it to a friend or a neighbor, um, I think it's a good time to get, you know, seniors out or people that live alone. Tithes and offerings can be given in person in the offering box in the back of the church, or they can be given online there at the website. Weekly budgets listed here and some ministries that you support through giving, and that is 10% of the giving. Um, last but not least. Yes. At O'Bannon Terrace? The senior living? Yeah. yeah. So O'Bannon Terrace is asking if anyone um, has muscles or ladders or just some extra time to maybe stop up um, to put up some Christmas lights and give some joy there. Um, not, not all the um, seniors there are shut-ins, but not all of them drive. So it might be just a good opportunity to just, you know, fellowship with them and um, say hello. Um, Outside in the uh, foyer, you'll see these yellow pages. They're November 2022 Heartland calendar. There's lots of stuff on here. If you walk away and you're not sure what you can do or what you want to do, grab this and ask somebody else about it because there's lots going on. Things you can do behind the scenes, but most importantly, praying about you know each interaction that we have with the community, that it will impact them in some way um, that leads them to Jesus. And now start your 10-minute togetherness.
Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see His wounds, His hands, His feet. My Savior wrong that cursed tree. His body bowed and drank.
Let's go ahead and get started. Let's go ahead and get started. If you were here the last time I preached, we talked about Galatians 5 and how the freedom we have in Christ and about the freedom we have in Christ, that Christ's death on the cross freed us from the ritual Levitical laws of sacrifice that had to be done to repent of sins. Today, we will be looking at Matthew 25. We will be reading verses 31 through 46. Turn in your Bibles to that passage. And once you get there, please stand for the reading of God's Word. The title of today's sermon is Love Conquers All. The Word of God says, When the Son of Man came in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations And he will separate people from one another as a shepherd shepherd, separates sheep from the goats. 
and he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared from, for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you as a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to the one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on the left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. You may be seated. American theologian Stanley Hauerwas writes, The difference between followers of Jesus and those who do not know Jesus is that those who have seen Jesus no longer have any excuse to avoid the least of these. Are we as the body of Christ getting it right? As baptized believers in Jesus, are we following his commands, or are there areas that we are lacking? In his great commission, before ascending into heaven, Jesus said in Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen through 20 Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of age. As disciples of Christ, we've been given many commands to live a righteous life so we can bear good fruits, as Jesus tells us in Matthew 7.20. Thus, you will recognize them by your fruits. Are we bearing good fruit? Are we feeding the hungry? Given drink to the thirsty, clothing the naked, welcoming strangers, or visiting those who are sick or in prison. The website feedingamerica.org has some statistics on food security in America. And they define food security as a federal measure of a household's ability to provide enough food for every person in the household to have an active life. Food insecurity is one way we can measure hunger. Feeding America quotes a USDA report that says more than 34 million people, 9 million of those are children, face food insecurity. Inflation in this country and around the globe has only made the issue worse. 
Prices for food are soaring to levels that have never been seen before. Gas prices are high, and people are having to choose between feeding themselves and their family or buying the medicines that they need. Things don't seem to be getting any better either. According to the website for the Annie E. Casey Foundation Kids Count Data Center, 41.5 million people received food stamp assistance in 2021, and that is an increase of 6 million from, over, from 2019. Also, according to U.S. spending reports, the federal government will spend an estimated $165 billion, with a B, on nutrition assistance, which includes $115 billion for food stamps. That's up from $113 billion in 2021. The same U.S. spending report, which can be found at usgovernmentspending.com, says the federal government is projected to spend $81 billion, again with a B, on housing assistance and $53 billion on unemployment programs in 2022. Today, we will be looking at how we, as the body of Christ, can help fight for those who are in need. But before we do, let's pray. Father God, thank you for bringing us here safely. Open our eyes to your words and the lessons that you want to teach us. Open our hearts to your message. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, these numbers I quoted are staggering. We live in one of the richest countries on the face of the earth, and we, and we have more Christians than any other country, yet our government is spending billions and billions of dollars helping to feed and house its citizens. Why? The church body as a whole has lost sight of its mission. We are called by Christ to feed and take care of the poor. Jesus tells us in Matthew 25, 35 through 36, For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was prison, in prison and you came to me. By feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, visiting those who are sick and in prison, by taking care of the least of these, we are doing it for Christ, as he says in Matthew twenty-five forty. Truly I say to you, as you did it to the one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Basil Biberdorf writes, Authentic Christians cannot transfer their obligation to the state. If it is our responsibility to care for our neighbor, it does no good to transfer our responsibility, responsibility to politicians and bureaucrats. It is our calling, not someone else's, especially if that someone else isn't a Christian at all. We are called by Christ to care for those who are in need. We can't rely on the government. They have too many other things to worry about. We must be the ones to take care of those in need. God has been putting the responsibility of caring for those in need since before Jesus walked the earth. The prophet Ezekiel says in Ezekiel 18.5, If a man is righteous and does what is just and right, and then skipping down to verse 7, gives his bread to the hungry and covers the naked with a garment. We also see the prophet Isaiah telling the church to care for those who are in need. When listing the righteous judgments of God, Isaiah says in Isaiah 58, 7, Is it not to share your bread with, hungry, with the hungry and bring homeless 
poor into your house, when you see the naked to cover him? And Isaiah also tells us in 58.10, If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise into darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. Ezekiel and Isaiah both stress the importance of the church in taking care of the needy. It should not be the government's job to take care of its citizens. It should fall on the body of Christ. We can't stand idly by and let the government do something that we should have been doing this whole time. It was so important to God that we feed the hungry that we are told we must provide for our enemies. Proverbs 25, 21-22 says, If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat, and if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. So strong is the call to take care of the needy that we are told to feed and give water to our enemies that it might rain coals on their head. Now as cool as that would see, uh, be to see, the raining of coals is not literal. The idea is that if we take care of our enemies, they will be shamed for mistreating us. It's essentially the same as killing them with kindness. It's our calling to take care of those in need. We can't rely on others, including the government, to take care of them. It's our calling, not theirs. We are to take care of our neighbors in need. Jesus, when asked what the greatest commandment was, answered them and said in Matthew 22, 37-40, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the law and the prophets. We must live our lives according to the teachings of Christ. We must do as he says. Taking care of those in need is a part of that calling. We are called to live by the golden rule. We all were taught the golden rule in school and know what it says, but it can be found in Matthew seven twelve. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. We must love others. If we are baptized believers in Christ, then our faith produces good works. We will be justified by our works, as we see in James 2.24. You see that a person is justified by works and not faith alone. It takes more than just faith to make it into heaven. We must produce good works as well and be known by our fruits. We must live as Christ lived and live out the, uh, James's words that we see in James 1.22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If we are doers of the word, then we will inherit the kingdom of God. We all will face the judgment seat of Christ one day. There is no stopping it. It will happen. Nothing can change that. Paul tells us this in his second letter to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. We will face Christ one day. We must answer for everything we've done, good or evil. If we show love to others, and meet their needs, 
then we will be following the teachings of Christ and living out the greatest commandments. Peter says in 1 Peter 4, 8 through 9, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. One thing to note, when Peter says that loving others will cover a multitude of sins, he isn't saying that it will erase our sins. But if we show love to one another, then the love we show them will not stir up any sins with that person, such as hate and strife. We will then be able to focus on meeting their needs. To show hospitality in New Testament times meant opening your homes to travelers for days at a time and doing it without expecting anything in return. We are told to do this without grumbling. So yes, that means if your in-laws come to stay with you, you must do your best to show them hospitality without grumbling. After all, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9-7, for God loves a cheerful giver. Matthew 25, however, is more than just feeding the hungry and giving to those who thirst. We are also told to clothe the naked as well. Ezekiel tells us in Ezekiel 18.16 and covers the naked with the garment. Jesus also calls us to visit the sick in Matthew 25.36. I was sick and you visited me. And James tells us in uh, James 1.27 Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Widows and orphans are generally ones that need the most help. We must look after them and care for them. We must live as Christ lived. Christ lived to serve others, and we must do so as well. He humbled himself as a servant. There are many examples throughout the New Testament of Christ serving others, with one of the best examples of him washing his disciples' feet. We see this in John thirteen six through 9 He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash your feet, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Another command in Matthew 25 that we must follow is that we must visit those who are in prison. People in prisons are still people as well, and they need to be ministered to. We should not turn our backs on them. The Hebrews, a writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 13.3, Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you are also in the body. The prisoner Paul, prisoners Paul was referencing were those who were imprisoned for the faith. They needed to be reminded that they were, why they were suffering. However, we also need to visit the unsaved as well. After all, we could be the only Christ that they ever see. I say it all the time, but everything we do should be that some might be saved. We need to serve those in need because we might lead them to Christ. If we emulate Christ, then they might just come to know him. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9.22, To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. 
I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. Christ humbled himself as a servant and served his disciples and others. We must follow his lead. We must serve the poor and needy as well, as we see in Proverbs 21.13. Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. Christ did more than just serve, though. Our king died for us. Nowhere else in recorded history has a king died for his people. It's always the people dying in service to the king. Christ died as a sacrifice for his sheep. He laid down his life for us. We see this in John 10:11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for sheep. Christ laid his life down for us and then commanded us to do the same for others. In John 15:13, Jesus says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friend. Christ sacrificed for us so that we may live. We need to sacrifice for others, and we need to live out the words found in Peter, 1 Peter 1.22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. We need to keep our feet on the narrow road and live as Christ lived. Love one another so that when we stand before Christ at his judgment seat, um, Christ's grace might also be, as we see in Romans 5.21, that his grace might also reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is by grace, through faith, that produces good works that makes us righteous. Those who do what Christ laid out in Matthew 25, feeding the hungry, giving drink to those who thirst, welcoming strangers, clothing the naked, and visiting those who are sick or in prison will be called righteous. Now that we know what we must do, the next question is, how do we do it and where do we start? How do we get out there and serve? First, we need uh, God's help. We cannot do it on our own accord. We need him to be first in our lives so we can serve others. We need to live out the words of John 3.30 that says, He must increase, but I must decrease. There's an old saying that says, Charity starts at home. We need to take care of our families first. We need to make sure our spouse and children are provided for. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for members of his household, He's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. We must take care of our families first. We must make sure there's enough food on the table, clothes on their back, and the roof over their head. If someone can't take care of their family, provided that they're able to do so and there's nothing hindering them, then how can they be trusted to meet the needs of others? There are unbelievers that take better care of their families than there are some Christians. Then we need to look for opportunities to serve. If you're looking to help, we have many outreach events here at Heartland. Amy did a great job of detailing the ones that are up and coming. We also have the food pantry as well, where we serve others by feeding those in need, and we also clothe the, 
clothes that have uh, give clothes to those that are in need. If you've not had a chance to serve at the pantry, I strongly encourage you to do so. It will change your life. Other ministries we have here is the greeting card ministry, sending cards to those who need it. You can also make phone calls or just send a text message on a, to check on a member of the body of Christ. We are also always in need of prayer warriors, people who can pray for the church and any requests that get sent out and for the leadership of the church. If you are wanting to make a bigger impact than inside of these four walls, there are other great ministries in the area. Matthew 25 Ministries, who, always, who we always donate the medicine bottles to, takes volunteers to help sort food and clothes and readies them for shipments to those areas that need it the most. Now, I've served there before. They do an amazing job. Another ministry is the International Disaster Emergency Services. You remember they were here for the tornado cleanup, and one of their workers, Mason, spoke here. If you would like to help them, you can check the website or get with myself or someone on leadership, and we can put you in touch with Mason or the IDES group. There are many homeless shelters, soup kitchens, and aid organizations always looking for volunteers as well. If you need help finding some, let me know. And of course, all the groups mentioned are always taking donations, whether it's food, clothes, or money. And of course, they can always use your prayers. Praying for them is the easiest thing you can do. If we have faith as small as a mustard seed, we can unite as one body in Christ and serve others so much that the government would never need to spend another dime to help anybody. There's one more group that we can help. That group is the body of Christ. Christians do a good job of meeting the needs of the secular world that we often neglect to see the needs of those in the body of Christ. Oftentimes, Christians have the same needs as the secular world, and sometimes more because they may not compromise their belief system to live a better life. This Christian life is hard, and the body is suffering, and Paul commands us to take care of them. We see this in his letter to the Galatians. Galatians 6, 9 through 10 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially those who are the household of faith. We must take care of the body of Christ. We need to check on our fellow church members. We need to be praying for them, and if they have any needs, we need to meet them. Oftentimes, the needs of the body can be spiritual. If someone confesses sin to you, don't gossip, pray for them, and lead them back to the narrow road. One of the indictments against the evangelical churches in America is that we tend, to look out, we tend not to look outside our borders. Oftentimes, we see Jesus as an English-speaking white dude. And we believe Christianity is only an American religion. The prevailing thought that I have heard from Christians before is that America is God's chosen nation and that he will bless us. The government spends billions of dollars to make up for where we have fallen short. They have, ta they have to take care of the people that we are called to take care of. America is not God's chosen nation. Jesus is not some English-speaking white dude. He is so much more. And the body of Christ exists beyond our borders. 
There are Christians in every country in this world. We need to be mindful of this fact, and we need to be praying for them. In America, we say we're persecuted because we have to accept gay marriage or abortion. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to be harsh, but this is nothing. There are Christians worldwide that are being killed every day simply for being a Christian. They have to meet in underground churches, and if they are caught, they are often arrested, their possessions taken, and they are beaten, beaten or tortured or simply just killed on the spot. The body of Christ worldwide needs help, and we can help them. We can fulfill the call of Christ in Matthew 25. There's a group called Open Doors, and they were founded by a man named Brother Andrew. I came across the website a few months ago, and they are an amazing group of people. I could go into great detail about what they do for persecuted Christians, but I will let them explain it better. There is a video I would like for you to show, and then if you guys could play the video. Open Doors began in 1955 when Brother Andrew, a newly committed Christian, began smuggling Bibles into Eastern Europe. Brother Andrew believed that everyone should have the freedom to know Jesus, no matter where they lived. God spoke to me again through his word. Awake, strengthen what remains, which is at the point of death. Then I understood I have to go to the Christians. I had no idea how to get there. Well, in that one city, okay. But after that, I had no money, no contacts, no language. But something was a warning in my heart. And I said, Lord, yes, but how? Since Brother Andrew's first trip behind the Iron Curtain, Open Doors has expanded to work in over 60 countries around the world, providing Bibles, training, prayer and support for the persecuted church worldwide. Over the years, we've had many milestones, big and small, and all of them have shown God's hand at work. In 1981, we successfully delivered one million Bibles to a secluded harbor in China, and only a few years later, in 1989, we sent a million New Testaments into Russia. In more recent years, we've helped thousands of Christians displaced by the conflicts in both Syria and Iraq through prayer and advocacy campaigns. And today, as many Christians in this region return to their cities and villages, we're restoring hope by rebuilding homes, churches, and communities. We also work to strengthen believers in northern Nigeria, where the Islamic extremist group Boko Haram has been attacking churches. And in the summer of 2017, we provided 9,000 families with food survival kits during the famine. Our work in these and many other nations continues to this day. Open Doors continues to serve God's persecuted church in the most difficult places on earth. We stand on the front lines for those who suffer for their faith, helping to strengthen the church around the world. Each year, we deliver more than 2 million Bibles and Christian literature, serve over 600,000 Christians in need, train over 500,000 believers, and share the stories of the persecuted church I think we in the West, this is a personal confession. I think we are cowards. We want a personal profit come first. And if that is at risk, we don't do anything. We ought to become people of guts and courage and strong convictions and don't 
count our lives dear unto ourselves if only we can fulfill the high calling of God on our lives. That's what I'm at. That's what I want the young people to do. Brother Andrew, known as God's smuggler, has done amazing work. If you've not read his story, I suggest you do so. There's a book about his life, and his story is on the Open Doors website. And I will tell you, within the past month, Brother Andrew did pass away. On the website, Open Doors says, Right now, more than 340 million Christians worldwide are living in places where they face high persecution just because they follow Jesus. They list the top 10 most dangerous countries in the world for Christians, and in 2021, for the 20th straight year, North Korea tops that list. Other countries include Afghanistan, Iran, Nigeria, and India. There's a story in the news about a month ago about an Indian man who was drugged into the streets of his town by his own family, his wife and kids, because he had started attending a Christian church. The world isn't safe for us Christians. Here in America, we have it easy compared to other countries. We get to meet here free all the time without fear of persecution. But that could change instantly one day. We need to be praying for these persecuted Christians and for the people at open doors. They are always taking prayer requests and monetary donations, but they have something else that they need. And the great news is, here at Heartland, we can help. Open Doors has a program where we can send cards to persecuted Christians that are in hiding. Cards that offer encouragement and Bible verses. A simple message is, shall we stand with the body of Christ? After service, we'll have a table set up in the back with cards for you to send. Right now, they are collecting cards for a woman named Charity who's in hiding in a remote village in Nigeria. If you feel led to fill out a card, please stay after and do so. Once we get them, we'll send them to open doors. They will translate them, and they'll smuggle them into her. There are restrictions on what you can and can't say, and you don't have to identify yourself. I'll cover that when we after church. It's a small thing we can do to encourage our fellow Christians who are hurting and scared. Open Doors was kind enough to send us a couple flyers as well, and those will also be in the back. One of them is the updated watch list of countries that persecute the most Christians so we can be praying for the Christians in those countries and the leadership of that country so that they may be saved. The other is info on different ways you can partner with them in prayer. In closing, don't be the goats that Christ mentioned in Matthew 25, 32. Be sheep. Serve others in love and pray for each other. Feed the hungry, clothe the naked, Visit those in need. Live as Christ lived so we can inherit the kingdom of God so that some might be saved. And I forgot to add, if you are interested in doing work with prisons, if you see Melissa Moore, she's got some contacts. She can put you in contact with them. They're always looking for people to help teach uh, classes and different things like that to get people back on their feet. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now. And we pray for charity and the 340 million Christians that are facing persecution every day. We pray for their protection and the salvation of those who seek to do them harm. We ask that you open our hearts to the needy and open our eyes to the needs 
that need to be fulfilled. Keep us safe as we travel home today and throughout the rest of the week. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. If you are not a follower of God, today is a day of salvation. If you would like to know more about Christ or discuss anything from today, see me after service. If you want to fill out a card for our sister charity, please stay after and hang out up here or back there. If you would like to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, or if you need prayer or healing for anything, you're welcome to come forward and pray as well. We will have people up here to pray with you, or if you'd like to pray by yourself, that's fine as well. The praise band is going to sing one final song, but before they do, I'll say the Lord's blessing over you. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you, be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
家。